Welcome to the Spirit Lake Wellness Podcast with Dr. John Ewing and Kathy Kocher. This is part three of three of our Neuroscience of Addiction series. So I've noticed that um, a lot of TV shows promote the idea of the hero. Uh, when I was growing up, there were more Westerns and war stories. And um, the basic plot is that if you are heroic, then people will like you. And uh, if you rescue the princess, uh, then maybe she'll like you and take care of you. And um, so people get into this loop of uh, protecting themselves from social defeat by admiring this person that they aspire to be or aspire to be perceived as. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they're really busy uh, projecting or defending this image of themselves as a great person, knowledgeable and wise. And how do you get past that? That's a that's a fun one because I mean we all know those people. They know everything about everything, and they'd be great at trivia trivia contests. And in social situations, are super annoying because you can't have a conversation you know, that give and take isn't there. So sometimes that's, sometimes that's where I start. How do we do give and take? How do you, how do you, you know, turn it back on that person say, how do you like talking to someone who knows everything and who doesn't really ask you questions? Well, I don't like that at all. Okay, so let's practice. I, I want you to say, tell me something and then I'm gonna ask you some questions about that. And you tell me how that feels, okay. Now I'm gonna tell you something and you ask me some questions about it. And usually the first, I don't know, 20, 30,000 times, um, I'll say something and the question will be, oh yeah, well, I know this, this, and this about that. And you're like, okay, but that's not a question. And you turn it around and come back with a question. What might be a question? What, what might be some curiosity you have about something I said? Yeah. You know, and you just start teaching them the art of conversation, which we learn. And we learn not to communicate, but even not communicating is still communicating. Yeah. So, you know, kind of just working on those the super basic social skills, but they're incredibly important. It's the oil that, that all our relationships run on. Yeah. So that uh, fear system. Uh, yeah and drive that self-admiration and the need to shine and be seen in a particular way. But the what? care system and that genuine mm -hmm. curiosity about the other person, again. I think helps. it's also anxiety, fear and anxiety, because the, the anxiety, the need to control. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen in this interaction with this person. So I need to be in charge of the entire interaction. I'm going to control the conversation. I'm going to control the information that gets out there and then I can feel safe. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah Which a I, is a lot like here. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Well, no. And then a lot of times underneath that uh, sort of puffed up, imaginary hero person is shame lots and lots of shame that the person is is covering up you know that's interesting i'm, I'm just doing a really quick mental review of like you know different heroes uh, superman was abandoned and shipped to another planet 
he's got issues. Um, Batman probably benefit from some medication. Um, I think of another Daredevil. I love Daredevil. He's so flipping funny. And there's some issues there. Doesn't really have a good relationship. You know, you look at these these heroes, and yes, they're heroes, but there's also these things in their past. The Incredible Hulk. He was a regular guy, radioactive spider. I don't know. That was Peter Parker. You know, but I mean, it's yeah. these heroes yeah. are not are not normal functioning people. They are people that have developed out of horrible events that have happened to them. Yeah. I mean, poor Superman, his whole planet exploded. I mean, how do you how do you have a normal life after that? And then he has to live. Clark Kent's you know, this complete yeah. dissociation. So I mean, if we really take apart the mythology of the hero, it's even the Western, the Western heroes, their family was massacred. They became a hero. Their, you know, their wife was killed. Their baby was stolen. Their, you know, whatever. It, it's always a consequence of something horrible that has happened, and it's a horrible example because most of us, when something horrible happens to us, we don't immediately rise from the ashes and become a hero or a heroine. We need to take time to grieve and process what happened. Yeah. And our culture says, no, 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 you need to, first thing, you need to go down and buy a white horse or a white SUV and get a hat and start driving around the, the, the country, handing out whatever's, you know, I mean, no, no. The, the correct response when something horrible happens is you need to sit down and be around people that care and process what happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating to look at some how some groups promote people being a good group member. Uh, you have to uh, wave this idea around better than the other people in order to get recognition as being a part of that group and uh, they call it virtue signaling. <laughs> I've not heard that term and I love it. That totally makes sense. Yes. Yep. And we go through that uh, litany of beliefs to demonstrate our belonging to the group. Yes. Um, yes, there are some groups that are totally pro social groups, like spiritual organizations, that you have to be a certain kind of spiritual person. To, to belong to that group. And, and even, even within um, non-traditional spiritual organizations, you have to fit a certain kind of mold to fit. And, you know, it's, it's difficult sometimes. I don't know if it's human nature that we need taxonomy, that we have to organize everybody and put people in the right slots or boxes or something. But. Yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, kind of interesting. I think some of the original groups represented by primates, for example, uh, you might have one dominant male who is supported by the females to drive off all of the other males that would otherwise pester the females. 
And hopefully he's so busy doing that that he doesn't pester the females very much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then there's inner, there's warfare in uh, some groups of chimpanzees, for example. Um, but there's a limitation in the size of the group created by that that structure, and it basically amounts to one. Uh, family, um, and there's basically a maternal group that decides who is acceptable and who's going to, who are we going to tolerate, and then that particular usually male person gets to stick around until they get tired of him. <laughs> oh, geez, that sounds cold. Do you, do you remember, I, I remember reading this this study, this was a very long time ago and it just stuck in my head because I thought that, I thought it was fascinating. Um, it was a, a researcher built, in my mind I envisioned this clear plexiglass structure and filled it with mice, put mice in there and let them breed with impunity and it quickly became overpopulated and there were too many mice and he made sure there was food and water and nobody was going to starve. Um, but as the population increased, he, he observed that the mice divided into two separate groups of behaviors. One group of mice, uh, he, he called hedonistic and they just, they did a lot of grooming and they, they, they sat around, they didn't, you know, they just, they were just all about just kind of making sure they got their food and they, they groomed and, you know, and the other group became very aggressive and they were, you know, kind of a pack traveling through this, this cage. And um, he didn't intervene. And at some point they all died. Yeah. And I thought, how fascinating to to divide into these two subgroups, this very aggressive group and this very, leave me alone, I'm doing my nails group. And as our population has increased, and I've just kind of been aware of social things, I think, wow, are we at that point yet? Have we have we divided into these two groups? Not that we're mice, but we are mammals. Yeah. No, it's a, a fascinating topic. And again, I think that points to the importance of these social interactions and the climate in which they're occurring. Yeah. Um, I've been a little bit shocked at uh, kind of a return to black and white thinking yeah. in the midst of all this available information that strongly points to many, many shades of gray. <laughs> but the, this uh, almost a subculture that promotes this uh, we are the good people, we know what's right, we can tell everybody else and if you're not uh, doing this then you are wrong and must be punished. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. It's um, almost like the mice. You know, we get yeah. this group and we get this group and they're very different and neither of them are wrong. Yeah, you know they're both doing maladaptive behaviors because of opioid population, but it's like, wow, maybe we are at that point. Yeah, well, as, individuals, as individuals, we can develop a family of choice. 
so the uh, the human uh, communities and uh, human tribes were limited in size because of a lot of socioeconomic and uh, cultural factors. And then as the ability to cooperate in larger and larger groups took place, then we ended up with, um, uh, uh, with cities, which, um, uh, yeah, the whole thing of policy and politic and whatnot, poly is many. And um, so, yeah, the city, um, uh, it expands our society and then you have uh, representatives and all this stuff is just fascinating and but, hierarchy who, who yeah. lives here and who makes this much money and who gets these resources and uh, yeah and then in our lives as individuals uh, a huge amount of the quality of our life depends on being able to have that emotionally resonant exchange with others, that feeling of being understood and accepted and understanding the other person and accepting them and mutually assisting one another. Um, and for some reason, uh, the number of friends that people have is has been going down and perhaps accelerated by the pandemic. But yeah, isolation, uh, abandonment, and that's certainly going to drive that panic slash grief system, yeah. which is certainly going to make substance abuse seem more attractive and necessary for some people. Yeah. It's kind of a tragedy. That's fascinating. I was just talking with someone the other day about friendship and they were saying they had very few friends. I said, really, I'm surprised. You're a very likable person. You have good social skills. I said, well, yeah, I have a lot of buddies. I have a lot of buddies and people I like hanging out with, but I have very few friends. He said, you know, this is my litmus test. A friend is someone that if they call me and say I need help hiding the body, I will without hesitation go and help them because I know without a doubt whatever happened, they had a good reason. And if I need help with something, I will call them and they will drop everything and come help me. That is a friend. Everybody else is a buddy. And yeah. I thought, fascinating. I said, don't tell me that ever again because I don't want to have to ever testify. <laughs> but, but it was interesting because that's someone who figured out these are my friends and I have, you know, I can count them on one hand but I'm social and I have all these other relationships, but they don't get to this level. Right. That was very interesting. Yeah, which brings up that family of choice. Yeah. And the value of that in helping us to shape our world to be what we hope for, uh, rather than the unfortunate origins that some of us have had. So. A question about that, because, you know, for for a very long time, we have had our social structure organized by religion, public education, and family. And those three things are not our mainstays anymore. Public education is not the only game in town anymore and kids are not 
being socialized and being provided with the same fund of knowledge as, as all the other kids. There's differences now, depending on where you go and what you learn. So not everybody's gonna be walking down the right side of the hall. Okay. Um, religion, uh, I just I just was talking to somebody at a Catholic church the other day, and they're, they're, they had 80 some dioceses in this community, and now they're down to like 30 something. I'm totally making up numbers, but it was that level of change. And they're, they're merging parishes now, and because people aren't going to church. I thought, this is fascinating. I wonder why. I mean, my personal belief is that religion has become political and that's probably why, but who knows what the real reason is. And then, um, sorry, I got distracted by my power cord not being in my computer and that probably being related to the annoying dinging I was hearing and I thought it was my new hearing aids. Oh yeah, dinging's gone now. Um, and then family. Um, for a very long time, it was, you know, you, you had your family for better or worse. That was your family. And I am a strong proponent of chosen family. I have a very beautiful, amazing chosen family that I love and they love me. I also have some, some biological family that I feel very close to, but I love the concept of being able to choose your family. I, one of my stepsisters wrote a book about it, but, um, that that core you know your family is is not the same anymore due to divorce and and other things that that come up that just change that 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 core values so so what are our core values as a society now that we all hang our hat on because i'm kind of nervous that maybe we don't have one thing that pulls us together anymore yeah so if we look at value what we're talking about is strength. How strong is this idea or how strong is this desire? How strong is this connection? Mm -hmm. Value is the strength of an ideal. An ideal is a shiny thing. The uh, imaginary shiny thing or state that, that we aspire to. Um, and it used to be very, that the, the information about this was pretty limited, that you were with uh, your own uh, biological family members uh, pretty much almost all the time, and you might have an extended family structure, often on a farm or in some business, and unfortunately, there were some uh, dysfunctional dynamics that could frequently develop. And so then people might gather, yeah, at a church, or sometimes they might gather at a bar or some dance or other festival and exchange ideas. Um, and then newspapers come along and broaden the reach of information. And uh, you add the telegraph, and all of a sudden, oh, you can rapidly get news from all over and create this larger and larger sense of us, usness. And then when radio comes out, then that that happens much more quickly. 
and it's easier to create this uh, this feeling of belonging to this larger group because you have this information. I have to wonder if uh, part of the problems in the 20th century was the uh, advent of radio and the power of communication and also movies to create these images to which are uh, are they can contain assumptions that just leak into our brain uh, unfiltered as, oh yeah, that's the way it is. Uh, it's like when somebody makes a statement, we will often question the statement, but then the assumptions just sneak right in <laughs> as truth. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, then we had the advent of television with uh, all of the messages and attitudes that could be conveyed, all of these assumptions. And we had a limited number of channels. Mm -hmm. These, uh, 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 you know, we might have a local channel, but it might be part of some larger network. Mm -hmm. Well, now we've got the internet and everybody with a webcam and a microphone can go on YouTube and have these uh, uh, platforms like Facebook, which started out as a way of cataloging the available females at a college. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, these, the, and now we have this marketing machine that runs off of our attention. And so the success of these processes is, does it engage your attention? Does it, you know, how much engagement are they seeing? And so they use algorithms to promote engagement. And it's artificial intelligence at this point that drives those algorithms. And so now these these uh, processes online and in TV, and uh, they're, they're so effective that, yeah, we spend less time with one another. And spending less time with one another is likely contributing to that isolation and friendlessness that so many people are experiencing. And because of the, the media marketing, the unrealistic expectations of oh, yeah. what a friend is, what a girlfriend is, what a boyfriend yeah. is, yeah. who you should love, who you should not love, who you should like, who you should support, what values you should have, what makes you a good person, what makes you a bad person. Yeah. It's, it's crazy insane. And now we have this divisiveness. Yes. Yes. And... Oh my goodness. And in the midst of all of that, there is still that power of the care system. Yes. That power of love and of connecting and resonating with that person, the power of being curious about, oh, how do they feel? And hopefully being in a safe enough environment where, yeah, they'll share it with you. That's yes that's i think that's what we've needed because we've become we've gotten away from the the basic of of caring about each other somehow that's become a weakness or a or a liberal thing oh yes yeah. 
it's become uh, something that oh you, you don't want to do too much of that or well you can care but only if the person is deserving yeah and then you have to figure out what that means yeah and it's like you know like you see the panhandlers on the medians of the streets and and it's interesting they are excellent marketers they know what to put on those signs to pull people to care you know yeah. looking for work no money baby yeah. you know people can them five bucks you know as they drive by and the um, that's called blind a sign yeah. and guess what we all fly signs as we to do. Who we are and, and how we fit into this and uh, uh goodness gracious yeah oh, oh my gosh john we've covered a lot today yeah i think we've kind of gone full circle i think we um, have we're back, back to just basically caring about each other right which yeah activating that care system and mm -hmm. having those opportunities to be quiet enough for the head noise in the other person to settle down mm -hmm. or the head noise in our own head to settle down so that we can actually sit there and and share feelings be present thank you for listening to the spirit like wellness podcast spirit like wellness is a 501c3 dedicated to health and wellness education Learn more at spiritlikewellness.org.